You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Bracken, I think my uh, I think my watch is out to get me. Have you ever felt like that? <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Well, you know my history with watches, or at least last January, where I burned through two in 48 hours. So I'm interested to hear what your watch is doing to you. Well, you know, like as runners, we live and die by these things, right? And I don't know if my watch is out to get me or out to help me. I can't really figure it out. So I went out on. I see what's happening. Why? What do you What do you think? What's your prediction? Predicted race times. No, it's not actually. Oh, so really? okay, go ahead. I went out. We got a bunch of snow here. I don't know. I don't know about you, but we got a bunch of snow here. We got like a foot, foot and a half in some areas here in Minnesota. And I went out on Friday morning and had the most. It was just going to be a recovery run Friday, and then Saturday was going to be a quality long run. And Friday I went out and I felt like butter, right? My legs were just light. I was running in four inches of fresh snow and I could have just, it was an eight mile recovery run. I stopped them, but I could have went forever. It was the first time I listened to our own podcast on a run in like a year. I listened to it just for a quality check and I don't know why, but it just bought the time pretty well. Anyways, then training Tuesday or Katie, I listened to training Tuesday, mostly to see if I could hear my space heater in the background, which was confirmed. I could not. Then I just kept listening. <laughs> Anyways, um, and then Saturday rolls around. And it's much colder, snow, a little more snow. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and do some sort of quality. And I got out there and I just wasn't feeling it. I was 10, 15 minutes in. And this will lead into our conversation today about the ebbs and flows of training. And I was like, you know what? Today's not the day. I'm just going to survive. Like, I'm just going to go run steady. Like, I'm scrapping it. I can tell, like, my head and my body's not into it. And it's funny because my recovery run the day before was like butter. And then the day that I planned to go hard, my body and mind was like, no, don't do that. And so I didn't. But the point being is my watch started off telling me I was running 12-minute pace and then 8-minute pace and then 10-minute pace. Eventually, my watch gets all the way down to where I ran a 133 mile in the middle of my workout. A 133, followed by a 152. Thank you. In snow, I ran a 12.36 5K. On Saturday morning, according to my watch. 1236, Bracken, what do you think? Did you have to delete the run? No, I kept that thing. I got personal PRs all across the board. Well, that's the issue. Now now that sets it as your PR, and you're not going to get a little kudos. Well, anyways, so I was running slow, feeling like, you know, this run is just going to be, you know, I pivoted. Out Out on the trail, I pivoted. The run had me starting about a mile from my house, and it just showed I ran straight north to the abyss, and then it stopped me there. So it obviously had an issue. So I came home and I was griping and bitching about my watch. I was like, this fucking thing, da, da, da. You know, what the heck? I was kind of angry, even though I, it, it had shown I'd run some PRs. And then Jess and I went out for a hike <clears throat> later that day in the snow just to get take advantage of the, the beautifulness. And I get home and I can't find my watch after griping about it for like, I don't know, an hour which is a long time to gripe about a watch. And uh, came home, couldn't find my watch. It's like, oh, it's in the truck somewhere. I must have blah, blah, blah. 
Can't find my watch anywhere. Nowhere. We went hiking an hour and a half away. And I'm like, I think my watch is like, I don't know, mad at me or something. Because first of all, it like threw my runoff. Second of all, it's disappeared. So yesterday I was like, well, I need this watch. It's a $600 Fenix. So I drove all the way back out an hour and a half away to where we were hiking. And there she was buried in snow all alone. You found her? I found her. How far into the trail? Right next to the truck. Right after. I think I set it on the cab of the truck and drove out of the lot or out of like this little logging Uh, road and it just fell. 98% battery life still after sitting overnight where it got below zero and it got buried in the snow somehow. So in two days, she betrayed me. How did you find it buried? I could see a dark strip underneath a layer of snow that was like the watch. So... Anyways, me and the watch have had some issues this last two weeks, and and I think it was like a lesson. She was like, she was like, don't talk smack about me. Like I'm not perfect. You aren't either. I think she was telling me. You know, it was cloud cover and snowing when we ran. Maybe the GPS signals are tough. Then I think she was telling me to give her a break, and so she, she, she revolted a little bit, made me drive three hours to go get it and come home, and now I I feel like I, you know, I owe an apology and. And now we're back to square. So I ran on the treadmill today, so it didn't have to connect to GPS for safety reasons. But it was just a weird two days with my watch bracket. She stormed out after an argument to see if you'd follow. Oh, I followed. And you did. I did. You followed. You passed the test. Now, I rudely went on my phone while you were talking. Yeah, that's fine. But it was because this weekend I had seen some watch sales and i was just confirming because it sounded crazy i was about to say it but the number sounded wrong but the the garmin 735 xt their triathlon cross training watch Mm -hmm. 129 right now wow 129 isn't that isn't that like a 300 dollars watch easily yeah forerunner 735 xt multiple places 129 wow i don't need to buy one so but you don't need it you guys no. patched it up. I think so. We don't. We haven't talked much, but I think I think like silence said what it needs to say, and we're good to go. But it was a weird two days at the watch, and I've never had it be so off. Usually, when the watch is off, it's always like, God, I'm not running ten minute pace. Like I know I'm not running ten minute pace, and it's showing ten minute mm-hmm. pace. This time, I was looking at, it and I was like, I'm either on fast forward right now, and I'm like tripping out, or my watch is really, really messed up. And obviously it was messed up. So I'm wondering if anybody else has had issues. The cloud cover was very dense. It was one of those mornings that like went into the afternoon. It was very dark, snowy, and all the trees had snow caked on the branches, like inches of it. So it was just like we were suffocated Hmm. in snow. I'm wondering if anybody else has dealt with that, but have you? Not, 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 I haven't had too much of that really, but Lisa has more GPS issues than anyone I, I know of. But I don't know if it's because we always get her the lower end Garmin because she doesn't care about them. She just wants a pretty color and a small footprint on her wrist. So I don't know if that has slightly just inferior tech or if it's because she's always doing city strides. So she is really, really um, precise about her GPS picking up and being precise because if it moves her 10 feet off of her path, the street doesn't count as having been run. And it drives her crazy. So maybe she just looks at her watch more often than the average person. But she deals with that a decent amount, yeah. Where she'll be running 15-minute pace and suddenly five flat. Yeah. As long as it overall averages itself out correct, which which mine, if it does undulate, it seems to do that. But 
Huh, interesting. I find like when I set my watch, like I set it down still outside, let it connect to the GPS completely still every time. Because I find if I'm moving around and it's connecting, it typically is maybe mm-hmm. slightly less accurate. But that's the only tip or trick. And my Garmin's been great until this one just off the wall workout. So I have no idea what that was about. But um, you got any updates for us, Bracken? That's all I got. Not really. No. Did my first fart lick. I decided that uh, since I'm still lowering down the treadmill and uh, I raised it up a little bit and started with some semi quality. Mm-hmm. And I decided the fart lick was the way to go ease into it no prescribed pace go off feel try to run nice and it felt so good to do so good yeah so you feel like you're you're um you're coming back we'll say it's hard to even say that those words out loud mm-hmm. because of 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 my track record this decade but yeah feels like it it feels like it have you been able to do any flat running at all yet no none no no, it's a six to eight week protocol. Uh, if you were stage two of this uh, quadricep tendinopathy, and I was somewhere between one and two, I had symptoms from both tiers. So I'm just treating it <laughs> like like how I should always treat things, and I'm taking the full eight weeks. I've spent the last week, week and a half. I've been talking to you about it that mm-hmm. I I just feel like I'm not injured. I'm ready to rock which means I have to just keep following the process. You're getting antsy. The best thing about this process, though, is that it prioritizes lifting. And I've said it before, but I'm in a good place with strength training right now. And when I am running, even though the lowest I've gone is 7% on the incline, I feel stable and strong and kind of quick. And I like that. It's great to hear. But you're holding back. Even though you're starting to feel good, you're still following the process. I should be honest. I ran from the truck to the school this morning and from the school back to the truck it was about 150 meters bet you that feels good to get off your chest good to run Mm. felt like a little kid just Mm. running everywhere that's how it all started um i broke protocol this morning that's okay i forgive you do you want to intro this thing you want me to intro this thing what kind of intro do you want do you want an accurate intro or do you want a meandering story that somehow relates to what we're talking about story always okay then i'll start i can back clean up then and if I need to. This weekend, we were sitting around the fireplace in my parents' house. For the new listeners, my parents live directly next door to us. And as the weather's gotten colder here in Wisconsin, we've been doing uh, nighttime fireplace. So get the fire going, pop some popcorn, um, play card games or board games, or the kids just color or do paper airplanes recently. They make paper airplanes and fly them around and then eventually open up the grate and throw them into the fire, watch them go up and make more as the adults chat. And we were chatting about the education system because my dad's still a teacher. Uh, Lisa and I obviously both were teachers. My mom was a teacher and we were, we were seeing something because my mom goes in and helps in the school from time to time. And Lisa still goes into the kids' classrooms and helps out when they need help. So they were, they were talking about the current education system and, and the way kids learn. And as crackers do, multiple analogies came up. But what we were talking about for a while is how learning is a very, very strange thing. It's present with kids and it's present with adults in the same way in that you can follow the protocol correctly and there's no guarantee that the light bulb goes on and so we were talking about with mira for example um, learning her letters and the sounds that they make and then ayla with reading how it's kind of like that arcade game 
where you drop a quarter down and then the arm comes out and pushes the quarter into the pile of the other quarters Mm -hmm. and they're all teetering on the edge. But there's no guarantee when it tips over. Sometimes you walk right up to the machine, you drop a quarter in, the arm comes out and you get like four bucks out of it. They just all collapse. And other times you drop 10, 15, 20 quarters in a row. You're like, this has to be the one that does it. But they're just massing. It's massing. It's massing. And then eventually it tips. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's one quarter, sometimes it's 20, sometimes it's five. There's no discernible pattern. The only thing you know is the only way to win is to keep dropping quarters. And that seems to be how learning works. You have to just keep doing the process over and over and over, even if it looks like the student or the child or you never will get it because one day it's just going to click and it's going to be there. And sometimes it takes five reps and you've got your your topic learned and other times it takes five weeks you give up on it and then someone else walks up to your kid and like hey what's this say and they just read it doesn't make any sense it just Mm -hmm. it ebbs and flows but it's never linear and that is my intro to this topic kirk i like it that makes sense that's right where your head went we still have no idea what we're talking about (laughs) i do that's right where my head went (laughs) i do should now should i should i just give it like straightforward now and then the listeners can decide. Yeah, I think you back clean up now and you you herd these cats into a corral. Well, this made sense to me. That made sense to me. But again, I got foresight of the topic. So <laughs> today's topic is the ebbs and flows or the song and dance that is training. Um, you know, recently, and I'm sure you fall in the same boat too, Bracken. I have athletes that are riding the highest of highs. I had a couple PR and time trials this week really knocking it out of the park. And then I have some going through the lowest of lows and the doldrums and overanalyzing everything as to why or things aren't going well or what is going well, what isn't going well. And and every check-in we do over the weekend is a dang novel. You know, the more writing I see on somebody's log or check-in, typically the worse things are going. You know, when things are going well, there's less words, there's Mm -hmm. facts, And when things aren't going as well, there's more words and borderline excuses. And I've had to talk a couple athletes off the edge. And I've also had to temper the enthusiasm of some athletes who are ready to change the world because things are going so well. And what I've found over the years is that training ebbs and flows are completely normal part of this process. For every peak, what, what follows the peak is a valley. And what's after the valley? Another peak. And no matter how much you think you got this figured out and no matter how perfect your training and life and everything is, that's going to happen no matter what. Maybe you get sick, maybe life circumstances. And as soon as you can come to terms with that, not lose your mind every time you're in a doldrum, not get overambitious every time you're standing on top of a peak and just realize like this all evens itself out in time, you are much better off. You are emotionally stable in your relationship with running. And I think just talking out the ebbs and flows and the song and dance of what running is over a long period of time, I think is important for some people to hear right now. That's it. How's that? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is not an exact science. And that is the biggest piece that anyone who is exercising or training needs to realize is that it's not an exact science. And anyone who tells you different is trying to sell you something. So if someone says it is an exact science and we can guarantee that we get you to do X at Y time, 
no matter what. They're just trying to sell you something. And then when it does, if it does happen, they're going to look like a genius. Mm-hmm. But when it doesn't happen, there's going to be a fault that might be yours. And that's how it's going to work. If this were a machine, like auto racing is an exact science. Cars are an exact science. But when you add the human element to it, it goes out the window. There are scientific elements to it. Each year, I think we get closer to being more exact with blood lactate testing and heart rate training and, you know, the development of technology like a whoop strap or like a a Quora ring or like a stride power meter. Those type of things are moving closer towards exact science. But the human element is always going to throw a stick in the spokes. That's Mm. just what's going to happen. And so even the most carefully planned approach by the greatest mind ever is not going to be linear. It just can't possibly be because the body's not linear. And that's the most difficult thing to accept. But once you accept it, then you realize that we have a lot of freedom with what we do. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, like, I think it's a tenureship thing in your relationship. Like, when you first start dating somebody, let's say, like, you're like, oh, they looked at me weird. What did that mean? Or, oh, they said this that way. I don't, what did... What did that mean? Or, oh, they were, they seemed a little like you're overanalyzing everything and you're consumed with things that don't even matter initially. Like, right. Like back in your younger days, high school, Mm -hmm. maybe college, I guess you and Lisa started dating them, but like every little thing you were like microanalyzing. And now, I mean, how many years have you been with Lisa? It's been, it's what, 15, 13? This will be our 12th year of marriage. Okay. I've been with Jess. We're coming on six years here. Um, Is like. None of that. Like those little things, those little things aren't even speed bumps. They're grains of sand, right? Like all that stuff like doesn't Mm -hmm. even, you don't even worry about. It's all water and it's all non-relevant. And you just look at like the ebb and flow of your relationship completely different now. A new relationship with a human Mm -hmm. is a lot like a new relationship with running. Like, oh, my foot felt weird. Oh, today my legs felt so heavy. Like I'm getting worse. Oh my God. Like how is this possible? Like you just like, you're just like on high alert all the time and as tenureship comes and now you know i've been running since i was uh, 13 i've been training in some capacity how long does that make make it for me 28 years you're asking the wrong guy yeah you would the same 20 some years now it's like nothing matter i could go out and have the worst race of my career next week and come home and life is going to be the exact same the second half of that day even even if i spent 10 grand traveling across the world to go do a race emotionally i'm okay you know it doesn't matter there's other things in life and you don't the next one's going to be better and so anyways i think like we get a lot of new runners as listeners in their first few years i would consider you like the courtship phase and it it lasts longer for some Mm -hmm. and and it's just like you let things beat you up that shouldn't and sometimes you think you've broken through and you start getting ideas of grandeur, which also can lead you down a disappointing road eventually. And I just think like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like leveling out the curve maybe is uh, mm-hmm. is how I think this all should be looked at in the grand scheme of things. Um, if that made sense. I think it made sense. Every single thing you said made sense right up until the point I could have the worst race of my life and I'm fine. I do not identify with that, Kirk. You do <laughs> not one bit. I mean, yeah. yeah no. It, it matters to me. I, but, well, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. For, Too much, I think. I need to level that out better. I could honestly be in a great – I could travel across the country, go lay an egg, and be in a great mood three hours later, like doing whatever, 
moving on. Of course, I'm going to start to think and make sense of it, but yeah, I don't think so anymore. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Your analogy with the relationship is great, and the inverse is true with uh, progression. Okay. In terms of your fitness or your PRs, and it correlates identically to the romance department of a relationship. Where early on, you might just look at your 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 new partner and it's going to be a romantic moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you might greet them at the door and they're like, oh my goodness, he greeted me at the door. It's a perfect time for romance. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every little thing sparks it off. And that's, that's, that's the early start of running. When you first start running, you got the noob gains. You're new to it. You're going to get better anything you do. It doesn't take much to spark it mm-hmm. off. You're just going to PR yeah. and you're going to get better. And the next week you, you had your new PR. But over time in a relationship, and then if it gets to the marriage point, those sparks don't fly with the same ease. They're still available, mm-hmm. but sometimes it takes planning or sometimes it takes a week or two of it just not working before suddenly, you know, out of nowhere, someone's like, hey, this is a romantic night and this is what's going to happen. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? You're like, I'm not really sure, but come on. It's been a while since we PR'd. Let's go have a great race. <laughs> and that's the way that your running works. It's, uh-huh. it's, they are di- the further you get away from the start of running, the harder it is to PR. And then the harder it is to predict when you're going to. But then you get past that point. Now you hit year 10 of a relationship. Let's say year 10 of running. Now you can really accurately predict. You know your partner in and out. You know every one of their facial expressions, any, every one of their moods. You know exactly what makes them tick and now it's totally predictable mm-hmm. now, now everyone's on the same page with everything you have your little blips but you know what's going on and that's how it is with running after 10 years this workout said this i'm pretty sure i'm dialed in to do this and you hear uh, seasoned runners talk about that like I, I i think i'm probably within like two or three seconds of a pr right now and a new runner would say how could you possibly know that and then like i don't know because i've been doing this for as long as you've been alive But it does follow that same process where it's easy to PR and then you can't predict it at all. And then you can kind of predict it again, but still throughout there, it's not linear. You use the the word when talking about your relationship and saying we haven't PR'd for a while. It's time to PR. Was that like code for something or? Oh, no, I was talking about running. Okay. I'm just making sure. I didn't know if you were trying to. Yeah. Don't misunderstand me. Slide something in there. It's a family show. Uh Uh-huh. Family show. No sliding. (laughs) Right. Uh, yes. So I agree with that. That's a, that's a good way to, that's a good way to put it. I think even, but even in tenure ship, like with running 10, 20 years, those ups and downs still happen, but you understand that your body or your relationship is going to weather the storm, right? It's like, oh yeah, like, like at this point, like we're committed to each other. We know we're going to progress forward no matter what, like, especially if like, obviously in marriage. So it's like, okay, well, no big deal. Like, yeah, we had a blowout fight. Yeah. Things went well that could be aka a really bad workout or a day where you don't want to go hit it or a bad race but you like you know like you're going to progress forward as a unit and everything is going to work itself out be okay and the same thing goes mm-hmm. for running i find people tend to grab like tend to really um scrutinize their bad days their bad performances their weak moments i was just so tired i didn't want to get out in the run today get out and run today and i missed my run and they're they're good at just like banging themselves around for it for no reason well you know that also did allow you to charge up and maybe hit the next thing on your list with with vigor and i think i think like amongst it all 
you gotta like zoom out maybe it would be like just zoom out mm-hmm. i had a consult call with somebody last week i'm not going to say the person's name but they said they were very good at like emotionally detaching or objectifying what was happening meaning like it was one of what what they had claimed was their strengths being like no matter what like one the work will get done because i'm emotionally separated too like i don't hang by a thread i have so much other things going on that like whether things go great or poorly like i'm able to move on really quickly and and they've been progressing for for years now is what it seems and so i think like Mm -hmm. adopting a little bit more of that makes this smoother like like i don't believe like for example like my question for you, I suppose, I'm going to toss it to you and then I'll speak on my own half, is like emotionally, when it comes to your relationship with running, what does that look like? Like, like walk me through like your ebb and flows emotionally with running. Because this is what it ends up coming down to, right? People get emotional about it and they have feelings and thoughts. Yeah. So, so what does it look like for you? And then I'll walk, I'll walk through it for me. Well, first I'll say one thing, which is you said maybe the most important thing is to be able to step back or detach. And I think mm-hmm. that's accurate. And the way I usually look at it is the most important thing is to be an optimist, both in relationships and in training. I think you just have to be an optimist. Because you're going to hit walls or obstacles or flat tires, no matter what your mindset is. Mm -hmm. But the difference between breaking down and being able to move past it is knowing that long term, it's all going to work out. So you have to be an athletic optimist to be able to get through all these things. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, my emotional attachment to running has changed so many times throughout my, my life because I started as I ran because it was what I could do to fill a season in between sports I liked. And so I did it just to compete. I was mm-hmm. only running because I showed some talent towards it and I had success early on. And so that was, uh, that sustained me. Mm-hmm. I won my first race I ever did in high school. I didn't win another one for a long time, but that early success, I just, it felt good. And so I, I was running only to compete and I was competing only to be successful. That's not really a healthy relationship with running. That's like being someone, being with someone only for the romance. Mm-hmm. Like I'll put up with their personality. I'll put up with having to take them on dates because I know it's going to pay off for me. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. And then when the bumps in the road do come up, they're not worth going through. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not, it's not worth it. All right? It's just really not. And sometimes it sustains you longer than it should. But that's like running only to have success. And so that's how I started. And then just like in a relationship, you mature and get to the point where you start to fall in love with the process. And I think that's the only way to, you know, being a pe- an optimist is the same as falling in love with the process. Where at this point, I'm not going out to run to crush a workout or to PR. I'm going out because I really like the act of running. And I really like the idea that putting in this work is going to lead to something great down the line. You don't need in-the-moment feedback of metrics, even though they're nice. Mm-hmm. You need the in-the-moment act of putting in the work for the process to get better. And I think that's the healthiest, most sustainable place to be is I love the day-in, day-out act of treating running with respect. And I know that if I keep putting in this work, I'm going to PR. But I don't need my metrics to give me my dopamine hit. I just need to put in the work and that sustains me because I'm emotionally detached from negative performances, 
but I can still feed off the positive. But I know the really positive is happening because it's just a process. I keep putting in the work and eventually it's going to come through. So that eternal pessimist who loves the process. Well, you've dealt with setbacks more than anybody I know recently. And so that's why I ask Mm -hmm. when things aren't going like you want them to, like uh, progression from injury or a new injury pops up, or then you go and you hit some of your quality work and you feel like junk and your metrics are way behind, like where you have been in the past. It's more what I was sort of getting at with you in regards to like specifically you go out you're like, let's say you went and ran a 15-15 test on the treadmill right now, 15 minutes at 15%. Yeah. You went out and ran 1.35 or something, and you're, like, capable of 1.7. Like, you'd go do it. Not only did it not go well, like, you felt terrible doing it. Like, what would be revolved around a performance like that for you? That's sort of, like, what I'm sort of curious about. Okay. Well, I think historically that would lead me to a lot of doubt, and I'd want to revamp my training plan right away. Something's going wrong. Something I'm doing isn't working. There's a disconnect somewhere. I'm going to try to find it in my plan. Knee-jerk reaction is what, what, what you're saying, like, initially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which, which let's just start stay on that real quick for a moment. If I had run a PR on that, I wouldn't then say, whatever I just did in training was so great, I need to do nothing but that moving forward. Right. Let's just keep doing that and keep doing that. No, it's like, I understand a process got me here. I'm going to keep going. But if there's a negative result of the workout, too often people say, whatever I'm doing is not working. Well, it's not working only if this was the end result of an entire build to do well on this test. Right. If this test is one marker on the way to a bigger plan, then no, you don't just turn and trash the plan and try to find what the problem was and eradicate it. It's, are there major red flags I need to address? If so, let's do it within the confines of how we're building. But we're not looking to just go off the rails because something bad happened. And I think that's the sign of a maturing athlete is whether I do well or whether I don't, I take what I need to out of the workout and make sure that the plan continues uninterrupted. And I'm sure that's what you're seeing with athletes right now is people want to just jet off to the side. This isn't working. Let's pivot and go this other way. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah, and I'm glad you said all that. I agree with that completely. So now Bracken Crocker goes and lays an egg on his 15-15 test, which is a measure of how his fitness is coming along. I'm not saying you will, but this is obviously hypothetical. Bracken did not go out. Oh, I would right now. (laughs) Okay, well, there you go. You have to be really fit to do well on that test. (laughs) You do that one about seven minutes in, you realize that you're underwater if you're not fit. Um, Actually, seven minutes in, you realize you're underwater even if you are fit and you're going for a PR. But nonetheless, now what happens? You go out, you lay an egg, or you're very, not lay an egg, you're very disappointed. You know you, you could and will be or should be better. What happens now? Like now, how would you, how would you respond? Young me says, this isn't working. I need to be at least one five, five to make a podium. I need to just do something different. And then you start scrambling and you probably screw things up worse. Now it's like, all right, I am one three, five. I need to be, I want to be at one seven. That's only 0.35. I need to improve. Mm-hmm. Is it where I want to start from? Probably not. But at the end of the next stage, I'd like to be at one four, one four, five. Let's ride it out now. And really the big thing that got me there was I could work at a decent rate, but as soon as I tipped anaerobic at all, 
it compounded way too quickly. So I don't know if this really tested my overall fitness as much as it tested my anaerobic fitness. So you know what I think I'm going to do two or three days from now just to make myself really uh, cement what I need to know? I'm going to do max gain. 60-minute version of this test, and that will tell me, is my fitness really this crap, or is it just my high-end fitness sucks right now, which it should suck because we're not doing high-end fitness work, and that's probably how I would address it. I'd set my future goal. If I'm at 135, let's add another 10th by the end of the next six-week cycle, but let's confirm or deny what this told me with a different type of test that tests more of what I've been working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think that's the right way to do it, but that's like, that's the tenured way, as you said, to react to something not going well. There's like, I like to like separate the two. Okay. There's two ways that we, in these valleys, not the peak, let's talk about the valleys. Cause that's where most people start really stressing out. Right. Like I ran my last 5k Mm -hmm. time trial in 17 minutes and this one was 1730 and I should be more fit. And this is six weeks later. Like I can't make sense of it. You know, and then they're like, this isn't working and I'm getting worse. And in fact, that's probably not even close to true, but it just didn't come together that day for a a number of probable reasons. And so when we're in our valleys, it's like, okay, what, what caused this valley? Like, let's say my, my, I felt good. I went out there. I felt like my body responded and I went and pushed and I'm just not happy with my metrics. Like, yeah, like my body showed up. My mind, I was ready to work. Like it was a good day. But I just like not where I think I should be or I'm not as good as I was in the past. The answer in that situation, keep doing what you're doing. Keep just like progressing. There's no reason to go back. Your body showed up and felt good. That's a sign that you did something right. You're doing something right already. And those metrics will come with consistency in time. The other side of the coin is you go out there and you felt like junk and your metrics were junk. Like they're very different, different things happening here. You went out, you felt like crap, and you performed like crap, okay? That's a sign where then people really, then they're just like, this is like, I'm backtracking. I felt horrible. The metrics, like nothing was enjoyable about that because not only did you feel bad, but your metrics weren't good. Those are the athletes who, like, for some reason, either want to, like, double down or give up completely or, again, change the script, as you said, and in that case, that athlete typically just needs to figure out where they're missing the mark on like the recovery piece, um, saying like, if you felt bad, it means like either you trained too much leading up to this and you were tired, and maybe it's a weak delayed effect that you didn't even know was in there. You took your pre-workout, you felt good. You're like, this is going to be a good day, but you're not taking into account the three-hour mountain run six days prior and the four hours of sleep you got two nights before. You can probably make sense of it. And so point being is in that case, when the runner feels like crap and performs like crap, you just go back and you backlog your last 10 days or so and be like, okay, so why not just yesterday, not this morning. Like, why did I feel this way? And most likely that the answer is you need, you're not recovered. Right. And so you accept that you don't go try to punish yourself by running yourself into the dirt. Uh, and you don't give up either. What you do is you just give yourself a few extra days before you hit something quality again and see if it comes back around. Instead of beating yourself up over it day after day, being grumpy, being down, um, you know, those are the two scenarios that I seem to find the athletes in. And, and of course, they can get worse. Like you yeah. can you can have a number of workouts that go poorly and then you really start getting in the doldrums. But you know what, Bracken, like as well as running is going for me lately, 
Like I may have great workouts three weeks in a row, and then I may have a week out of what would seem to be nowhere where one, I don't want to put my shoes on Two, I go out and I'm like, eh, like I thought I was going to have a great run Saturday morning. And what did I do? I mean, I ran a 12, 36, 5k, don't get me wrong, which is pretty good, but tongue in cheek. I, I didn't want to be out there at all. I was t- two minutes away and wanted to turn around and come home. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't my day. You know what I did? Went back home after the run, had a great day. Like didn't matter. Get them next time. And what happened? What I say before this podcast, I just got done smashing a treadmill workout. Let's chat in whatever, 30. Because it came around. It's just like it ebbs and flows. Not every day you're in love as you were yesterday with your partner, but it comes back around. It always does. And that's just my roundabout way of saying that um, the way you respond and react and look at things, especially in the trenches, um, really uh, affects, I feel like, your overall relationship with running itself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something we just need to state bluntly, which is there are no quick fixes to fitness. There are not. The only quick fix in fitness is rest. 100%. If you have fitness and you're overworked, rest can bring out your fitness in under a week. That is the only type of fitness you can change in like single digit days. Rest is the only thing that will make you actually better in a very short amount of time. You know how backwards that sounds to a lot of people? Yeah. I'm just very glad you said that because it's probably the truest thing that's been said on this episode so far. And that's only true if you're overworked or you're under recovered or you're just, you have too much fatigue. If you take rest, you will move up a level. But other than that, there are no quick fixes in fitness. And so even if you want to throw out the training plan and do something different, You're not shortening your timetable. You might be lengthening it. But the only real way to get through to the next level of fitness is to keep moving forward. Now, sometimes that forward looks a little bit more circuitous, a little bit more windy, but forward is the only way forward. Lateral movements do not make you get fit quicker than any other plan you were following. Mm -hmm. So even if there's a better plan out there, shifting to it does not really shorten your timetable. And that is what we need to realize. And so if there is no shortcut to true fitness, then we don't have any reason to ever overreact over a bad performance because you can't do anything about it anyway. You can either say, I'm truly not in good shape and I have to put in weeks or months to get better, or I am in good shape and it didn't show. And so I've got to keep training until I'm until I can show it anyway. So again, mm-hmm. the only way through is forward and that is really necessary for people to understand preach reminds me of that uh, photo it's just a simple white box and it's got that start in the lower left corner and success in the upper right corner and it's this big roundabout squiggly messy line that goes from lower left to upper right and it's a mess but it gets you there right eventually like it couldn't be more true in fact maybe that'll be the icon for this episode and the thing about this all is and as much as you you started this episode saying that it's not an exact science, as much as we like to think it is and we're getting closer, it's not. Half the time, folks, you may not be able to make sense of why things are going the way they are. I do this for a living, and I still can't necessarily always figure it out. How many of you listening have gone up, you're like, oh, it's a quality session. I'm dragging my dragging butt. I didn't sleep much last night. I don't want to do it. The warm-up feels like junk. And then you get into it and you have the best workout you've had in months. And you're like, this makes no sense. 
I just PR'd my intervals or I just ran a 5K time trial faster than ever. And it was a day like I wasn't into it at all. And then you have a day just the opposite where your legs are popping in the warm-up. You've been thinking about it for a week and a half. You're ready. You're rocking. All your workouts have gone well up to this point. And then you go out there, and that's not that's not you that you got that day. It was like, where did I go? It wasn't right. And you know what? There's not always an answer, and you should find comfort in that. Your body, physiologically, there is an answer in there, but it's not connecting to your mind all the time. I still sit here and scratch my heads as much as I like to right. predict the future. I can't always. And so that should be comforting to you. What was it? You opened our last episode with the Ricky Bobby quote saying, if you're not first, you're last. And you said that sounds terrible, but that's it's right. actually it's actually comforting in a sense because, well, if you're not first, then that's okay. We're all the same. Yeah, We're all then second through 900. We all lost. We all lost. So let's, uh, let's fist bump and commiserate, commiserate. The same thing goes for how working like workouts are going it's like who cares like i don't need to know what or why all the time like if i'm not first i'm last who cares move on to the next and live to fight another day we don't have to make sense of it it's like comforting to know that sometimes there's no rhyme or reason that you can know mentally again physiologically there's always a reason usually but just find comfort mm-hmm. in the fact that this is chaos at times and that is what it is. Fine. Move to the next chaos. Maybe chaos will strike me positive the next time. And I'm oversimplifying this and people can definitely disagree with You could pick a million holes in what I just said, but at times it feels like it. And that's okay. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. And one of the great skills in endurance sports is understanding that, that principle right there. It's not an exact science and it's chaos. And so all that defines whether it's chaos or whether it's pretty linear is how close your eye is to your timeline. Mm-hmm. The closer you get and the more you microanalyze little blocks, the more it looks like none of this makes sense. And the further you back up, yeah. if you look at your year in the terms of two weeks, you could choose any two week section and get a totally different read on how your year went. If you back out to two months, you get a different read on how it went. If you back out to 12 months, you get a much different view of how it looks. What if you backed out to 10 years? Kind of looks like linear progression (laughs) unless you've had injuries in there. And so that's the biggest key is how much of the long game are you willing to embrace as a runner? And then just to go back to science, this is an exact science. I've heard several true scientists say, People forget that science is not an exact science because every rule is predicated on the variable that it's currently talking about. Any one variable changes and now that rule doesn't apply anymore. And much of science is still based on opinion. Math is an exact science. Science is not an exact science. And so even if we perfect the science of the sport, It's not perfect. Mm -hmm. So we have to move backwards, backwards, backwards until we get to a time frame that is acceptable to you. I'm close enough to what I'm doing that I can really know what I'm doing every single day. And I'm far enough out to realize that this little bump I hit, it's really a molehill. It's not a mountain. It's going to feel like a mountain if I'm only looking really up close to my training plan. But you have to find what is that that zoom level Mm -hmm. that works for me mentally as an athlete. Zoom out and make that mountain a grain of sand, right? Like in the grand scheme of things. And that's usually what it is. Yeah. So let's talk about two scenarios then, okay? Let's do it. 
Okay, let's talk about the opposite end of what we're talking about. In a sense, we've kind of been talking about, you know, when you're not feeling like things are going well. Let's talk about, because there's peaks and there's valleys, right? And now let's say you're, I got a handful of them that are riding high right now, athletes, and they're doing great. We're time trial, mm-hmm. they're setting PRs, it's new metrics every week, it's fantastic. And they're on the peak, they're on the peak right now. And remember, there are always peaks and there are always valleys. So you're one of those athletes who things are really clicking. You're like 60 mile weeks or something. I've never done that. And my metrics are good and I'm feeling good and I'm on top of the world. And then, well, bam, your hamstring starts acting up or you hit a workout and it's just gone and you feel terrible. It will happen. I'm telling you, it will happen. Like rent comes due. You can be putting money in the bank and then on the first of the month, rent is withdrawn and that bank account takes a hit and you feel like you took a step back. That happens with running. That happens with metrics. Nobody can get can get away without that happening at times. And so you you we brought this up a number of times on the podcast and I've talked about this myself once. And it's just always resonated with me a conversation that you had with Chad Trammell years ago. I think it was after one of the NBC races and he had said I'm feeling too good. I'm going to take a break and then come back to it. He said, right? He's like, yeah. well, I think you were talking to him after a race. He said, what are you going to do? Like, yeah, your fitness is good. You had a great race. He's like, I'm going to take a rest. And I think you were like, why? Yeah. And he said, because I'm feeling too good right now. And I, what happens after you feel too good for too long? You start going the wrong way, correct? Yeah. He had just run like a 1445K on the road. And he had just been leading a race till he missed a spear. And I looked at it and thought, your fitness, your metrics are popping. Your fitness is popping. You were so close here, but you missed your spear. But we all know you could have won, even if no one else does. Let's go use that fitness again. What's your next race? And he said, I'm feeling way too good for April. I shouldn't feel this fit right now because this can't last. So could I go maybe win a race next weekend? Yeah. But if I don't get on top of it now, I'm going to tank in the second half. And then I'm going to have to take more time. And that's a man who knows his body. Yes. Okay. You said that story much more eloquently than mine because you were there. So that makes sense. The point I'm getting at is... Well, you were right on with the details. He felt too good. So he said, "Mm -mm, this is as dangerous as hitting the bottom is. Right. And what happens is you will end up there if you keep riding the high. Momentum feels more momentum until a certain point, right? Until you run out of gas. And so what I say to people who are riding the highs is, yes, soak it up. They can be few and far between, right? And so we really cherish those PRs, the good workouts, the days where we finish our run with endorphins and we're just popping through life with a, you know, with a, with a quick step and we just feel it. And that's great. And that's what we live for. I just had one of those myself this morning. Felt good. Just know that rent comes due. And so have the foresight. This is where the song and dance and the ebb and flow of training comes through after you understand it for years, that there will be repercussion for your hard training. And that may be some down days. That might be a day where suddenly mentally you're just not there and you don't know why. And so just know like, okay, this is high. It will be followed by some days at some point in which I'm not feeling this way. And that's totally normal. You don't suck. You're... And, and it's okay. Right. And so just expect that that won't last because mm-hmm. it never does. Um, and then you move on. So that means foresight can mean, you know what, I've had three good weeks and I'm scared. Like, where's this heading plan a down week, like ahead of time. So you don't even go through it. And then you can start really clicking with your training. You're like, well, now I haven't laid an egg in months because I'm getting ahead of it. And so you just, you just understand how the song and dance goes. And pretty soon you're not stepping on your own toes. You're just elegantly flowing through this because you've understood. And that's where yeah. 
And that's where like the new runner gets themselves in trouble. Like if you've never two-stepped, of course, it's going to be a mess, right? And like here, it's going to be, it's going to be some learning curves there. And so, and you can't force tenureship, but if you can start to recognize early in your running relationship, it can make things go smoother much more quickly for you. Um, and I think that's, that's what I actually want for our listeners more than anything, right? It's like at the end of this episode and then, and then moving in training, I just want this to be a smoother bell curve with your emotional roller coaster with all of this. And so I thought we should address the highs there. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on like the, the highs. I kind of think we have to treat our highs like our lows as well. I, I think that your point is perfectly made and I'll leave it there. But when we see someone new come onto the scene, no matter what type of endurance sports it is, they, they pop a race and we say, well, anyone can pop a race if they're good. If you're talented or if you're really fit, let's see what you do in your next two. And if you are good at the next two, we're like, all right, this person's here. But the one hit wonders, doesn't matter what venue of life you're in, they exist. Whether it's music, whether it's movies, whether it's business, you know, stocks, or, or if it's an athlete, almost anyone can pop something if you have talent or if you get lucky, but can you do it more than once? And if you can do it three times, that's probably who you are. Same thing happens with bad days. Anyone can bomb a workout. I'm not impressed by that. Prove it to me by doing it three times. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you bomb three workouts in a row, okay, now let's start, to, let's start to take a look into what's going on. Yep. And I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating because it makes sense now. But I would say one of the top five races I've ever had in my life came four, five days, five days after running the worst 5K time trial I'd run in three years. We have this Wisconsin Lutheran high school, uh, two miles from my house and the track is not open to the public. And so anytime I was home and I was, uh, living in, in West Dallas at the time when I was racing pretty competitively. And as I would say in quotes, as a pro athlete, I'd time trial there on the track and I'd always have to do it at night. You wait till everyone leaves, you jog over, two-mile warm-up to the track, hop the fence, there's no one there, you have the track to yourself, and no one's going to boot you out. Lights are off, it's awesome race, just running around the track in the dark. And I pretty much always ran between 16.15 and 16.25 when I was in any sort of discernible shape. That's the fitness I was in. I'd run right around 16.20, and I'd know, okay, I could probably run 40 seconds faster at least in a race because I was running it at like a eight and a half out of 10 for most of it. And then maybe the last half mile is more like a nine, but it, it was a repeatable time trial, not an all out mm-hmm. fashion. So I knew I could, I just knew what that meant. I probably did that five times that year, ran 1650 to 1620 or 1615 to 1625. Well, the next year I'm out in Colorado training, no longer living in Wisconsin. And I came home for my grandfather's funeral uh, six days before flying out for uh, an NBC, a U.S. National Series race for OCR. And I time-trialed while I was home. I'd put a big block at altitude. I was very fit. I was I was hitting all my workouts and feeling good. And I ran 17, I think, 09 Oof. in the 5K. Yeah. Almost a minute off what I'd been running, and I was in so much better fitness. And I started to panic. But my flight's already booked. I'm contractually obligated to be there. And I flew out there and I took second place. It was the first time I beat Hobie Call. I just had fitness. When the race got hot, my fitness was there to to carry me. And I came home and I just couldn't wrap my mind around 
what that meant. Because, th- you know, 24 hours earlier, I was panicking. I'm not going to be able to run under five-minute pace. Uh, quick interruption. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. How did you feel during that time trial, like physically? good. Oh, you felt good and you still... I, I've told this story, so I, I abbreviated it, but I guess we have newer listeners. I can't, When I run my 5K time trials, I do not look at my watch for at least the first two laps. Sometimes I'll wait until the mile. Mm-hmm. I try to run it off pure feel so that I don't put any preconceived notions on what pace I should be running. I just try to run the stride and the effort I always run in time trials. And so I was coming through and I'm like, usually I come through 5-0. 509, maybe 510 is right about where I run at this type of stride that I feel right now. But this is really easy. And I think I'm running really fast. I said, I, I'll guess five flat, but I wouldn't be surprised if I'm like 448. And then I start thinking, I've been running 1615, 1620 in these, but I've been at altitude for a year and I'm very fit. What if I run like 1520 today? What if I even break, if I run come through at 448, I could break 15 today. And I came through, I looked down, and it was 526. <laughs> it just blew my mind. So I, But I wasn't hurting. I just felt fast. So I ratcheted up the pace again and ran 522. And now I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble. But I, I'm not really hurting. I'm pleasantly uncomfortable. Mm. I have more. So I picked it up again and closed in, like, whatever that would be, right around 520. I got done and my dad had biked with me on all of it. He said, you looked good, but you just didn't look like you were running that fast. <laughs> and in my mind, I thought I was flying and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, right, well you're going to get to your point with this, obviously. But like, I will say at night running is deceiving because you feel like you're flying in the dark. It is. And coming from altitude down to sea level, um, although it sounds glorious, uh, as far as running fast, it's not, you probably could have ran 1710 pace through a 10 K, but nonetheless, I digress. I'll let you finish yeah. your story. There are some other things going on there, but nonetheless, well, let's just get right to those then because I was sitting there afterwards thinking, I never feel this good afterwards, but I never feel that fast during what is going on. Yeah. I feel good. So I know my engine's there, but this is a, this is going to be like a six or seven K trail race. It was out in Washougal. It's not Mm-hmm. that hilly it's pretty fast there's fast running what am i going to do when this pace kicks up during the race and then i was fine and so i'm trying to look back and it's like well yeah night running is hard to gauge pace but all my time trials happen at nine at night on this track so i can't blame that mm-hmm. and coming down from altitude yeah you can feel sluggish when you go anaerobic at altitude or at sea level after being at anaerobic for your first effort or two so okay I, i'll take that but and then i realized oh yeah we drove 17 hours yesterday. That probably had mm-hmm. something to do. I drove home with the family for the funeral and then flew out to the race. And then it started to give me a little bit of peace, but I still couldn't shake that idea that that's what's going to happen on race day. And it wasn't what happened. I raced fine. I felt like I could surge and we did surge and it's it was a fast race and I hung on, but it wasn't until afterwards that I could accurately say it was definitely the altitude and definitely the drive mm-hmm. and probably just the hangover of tapering before the race. Yeah. I've been training high volume. I tapered off. I f- probably just was a little bit stale. Yeah. So maybe you could make sense of that one or maybe you couldn't, but it happened. But you know what? Had I not raced that weekend, I would have been very, very tempted to change my training. To say all this volume, all this hill work, all this strength running that I'm doing, I'm sure I could run a good marathon right now, but I am losing my ability to run fast. And I would have put in a big anaerobic block of training with a lot of speed emphasis 
Luckily, I had that race right there as a very clear metric of what I could do because without that, I might have gone into panic mode. I mean, to run a minute slower than your last time trial, that's panic inducing. So I got fortunate that I had that race there, but if not, I might have just screwed it up. But it's important for people to realize that that can happen right before your next best race just happens. So you've got to prove it. If you have a bad workout or race, you've got to prove it by having another one. I agree with that. And, and the guys that you beat, I think what you only lost to Cody Moat that day, um, if I recall, because I've seen that yeah. race a couple of times. Like all those guys are 15-minute 5Kers, and here you went and ran 17-20 or whatever it was and still went out and beat them. So obviously yeah. um, not everything needs to make sense every time you go out and put on your shoes for a quality session, right? Um, no, you've never yeah. told that story about the 5K the week before. Not on here. Okay. So I didn't know that. So that's a very interesting, interesting blip. Okay. So the other side of the coin that I wanted to talk, I said to, to chat out is two scenarios is now the one who is in the Valley, which we focused on mostly for this episode, but um, those are the ones who I think need to hear it probably the most. Now you're in that, you know, God, I felt like crap today on my quality workout. And then like, I just don't want to run tomorrow. And then you go out for your long run and you're supposed to go for two hours and you cut it short at 50 minutes. Cause it just sucks and you don't feel good. And then you go to your next quality session on Tuesday or whatever it is, and it's like the same thing. My metrics are behind. I feel like junk. This doesn't make sense or whatever. And then you're just noticing, like, in general, like, you're swinging and missing, like, consistently, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, then you want to start thinking. Like, you can – I say to my athletes, I say three quality workouts need to go bad before we have a real conversation about it. That's my rule. We need to, we need to miss, we need to swing and miss three times. If we do that, we're going to start having a real conversation about what we do next. But my bet nine out of 10 times. In what time frame? Like the next three I prescribe. So let's say it's a Tuesday, a Saturday quality long run and the next Tuesday, or it could be a three Tuesdays in a row. Like okay. I give it some time. What if you miss every other? Do you still count that? If it's a theme over a longer period of time. Okay. Yes. Just, just clarifying there. Like if it were like, okay, there seems to be a theme, but you know, again, there's no right or wrong answer to this and, and there's chaos with this, but, but nonetheless, right. so let's say we're swinging and missing and now we're kind of in the dumps. It's been a little while now. Well, I guess I can, I can hand it off to you if you'd like to take it. Otherwise I can run with this right away. But like, what do you say to now we're in this situation where it's not just once. Okay. If it happens to you once, get over yourself and move on. Quit throwing yourself a stupid pity party. Put on your big girl and boy pants. Just move on with your day. If you let something like that beat you up, then try to find another way to fill your life with some other things that can bring you back to even, right? But let's say it happens more consistently. Well, it's either time for an off season or it's time for a deload. Off-season is you take as much time as you need, get away from the sport, and work on other things until you're ready to, to kick back up. And if it's not time for that, like that's usually accompanied by more than just fatigue. Usually you've got, you, you have multiple markers that I need a break. But if you're just missing stuff, then I think it's time to just pivot and deload. Emphasize a different skill, get back to just easy running, or do a lot of other forms of cardio, but either, either way, you need a little bit of a break. It's just, what does the break look like? But neither of those notice that I say, go find a different training plan. Maybe that conversation happens after the break, but you cannot make that decision in the moment. Just like you can't break up with someone during a fight, unless it's a physical fight. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a good sign. He's not the one for you, but you don't make the decision to quit while it's going bad. You make the decision to quit when you've had a day or two to think about it. I agree with that. Absolutely. What about you? 
Well, no, I, I agree. First and foremost, it's a sign to give your your body a reset. Think about, okay, is it sleep? Is it life stress? Have I not been eating well? Um, all of those things, but the answer is to slow down. And I mean like the pacing of your life, which also includes slowing down your mm-hmm. training. And usually, what did you say? The, the, be- the, the most important sentence is you can't get, you're like the quickest way to get faster is to not do anything or to rest, so to speak. I don't remember how you phrased it, but it sounds contradictory, but it's true. And so in that case, then you start reading the signs, which are take it easy, allow yourself to reset, and you will actually be faster because of it. And it it couldn't be more true. The other thing, if you are in one of those serious doldrums where this is going on now for a while, is I would say every few weeks I tell an athlete to go get your blood. Like, go, go, just go get your blood drawn. Make sure your vitamin D levels aren't too low. Go get your iron and ferritin checked. Make sure your hormones aren't out of whack. And then we can look at everything clearly, meaning like we don't have to stress about, oh, well, we're never going to get anywhere if your ferritin's at 17. Like we, we need to we need to know that there's, you know, take the sock out of the tailpipe of your car first if it, your car won't start. And so just make sure there's no sock in your tailpipe, yeah. as I say. So if you're really stuck, like really stuck, um, check those things off the list. Go request blood work. But other than that, then you can move forward clearly knowing it's just overtraining syndrome or life has been too much. And it's time to just you won't get less fit. In fact, you'll come back with new vigor and take as much time as you need. Um those are the first two places I go with it. And it's typically, like I said, like it's like a hormone levels out of whack, your vitamin D is low or like your iron or ferritin. And, and that's very common in our space. And so just making sure those are in line as well. Yeah. And you know what? I would not change that prescription if this was, let's say, June while prepping for a, a, a September championship or September prepping for a September championship. And there may be some people that push back against that. But if you are 10 days out, 20 days out from a championship, and you've just felt like crap for a significant amount of time, there's nothing you can do workout wise to snap yourself out of there by adding something in. Mm-hmm. I would still, let's say I'm prepping for a world championship and I've felt like crap for a week. I've missed my last three workouts, maybe two weeks. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to pull the plug down to the, just the minimum viable dose of movement. Mm-hmm. And I might add in good strides or speed skill work yep. two or three times in that week where I'm not really running unless I'm doing just skill work and just roll into the championship with as much rest as I could get and the ability to turn my feet over and feel like I'm still have some running skill, but there's nothing you can do to change your fitness drastically in two weeks, especially if you're fatigued. And so the only prescription is rest. That's it. Preach. That's like my quickest go-to line with anybody when they're just griping about how crummy they've been feeling. It's like rest, just take rest. Everybody's like, that's not going to get me better. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, it is. A lot of times. It's not going to get you worse. <laughs> training is like driving your car and the gas tank slowly going down, like over time. Like eventually you need to stop, t- turn the car off, right. fill it back up with gas. And that doesn't mean train harder. That means do nothing. Let it soak it up, so to speak. It's like one of those things people have a hard time. You know, it's a, it's mental therapy for a lot of people, including myself. Yeah. It's daily part of the process. So I get the fight. But um, that's where my head goes with the, the extended Uh, valleys of training. I want to give one example where a quick fix works that's not rest. And that would be if a particular skill is the reason you did poorly. 
Mm. If it were an OCR race and a heavy carry crushed you or a really difficult rig got you and then you were smashed the rest of the race and couldn't access your fitness or just couldn't get through it. That's the type of thing you can fix in two weeks. You can go do heavy carries every other day. You can go get on a on grip or rigs and, and do that every other day. And you're, you're fine 10 days later, 14 days later. You are significantly better at that. And you can get right back to the things you could do. Or if it was a specific type of downhill or uphill that you just didn't have mm-hmm. any time on feet with, you could go and go all in on that skill for two weeks and race again and be significantly better. But I want to be clear that that skill, that's not fitness. Outside of that, rest is the only thing that's going to make you fast quicker. Other than, well, no, nothing else is going to make you fast <laughs> Don't quicker. go there. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> nothing legal. No, there's nothing, nothing legal that's going to get you fast quick. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And honestly, you're probably not listening to us anymore if you're into the, the illegal game. That's also true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you can discern that it's skill work or there's, I mean, races can go bad for a lot of reasons. If you're in OCR or something or in like a trail race and you realize you can't climb or something like that's different than the fact that like mm-hmm. your body and mind just weren't there that day. Like that's very different. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. anything else come to mind? I, I think, I don't know. I think we got our point across for the most part today. We got there eventually. Yeah. If there was one summary, it would be don't overreact to anything. Mm-hmm. Don't overreact to anything step back. If you're still overreacting, step back further. If you step back as far as you can get and still nothing makes sense, let's react now. But there's no reason to be anything but an optimist as a runner. Yep. Hey, Bracken, those, um, so we're done. I think we're done. We're done. Are we done? Do you, uh, are those hats on the website yet? Those stocking running public hats? Yes, they are. They are. Okay, good. Cause somebody messaged me last week saying they weren't up yet. So they weren't, but they are up. Yeah. In fact, today, I, this morning, I double-checked to make sure that everything's working, that the quantities were accurate, everything's up. We have black uh, beanies, black fleece-line beanies. We have gray beanies and gray fleece-line beanies. Same hat, but one of them has significant more warmth, significantly more warmth. I wear the fleece-lined. Um, i got to send you and Lisa some, so let me know. I'm sure you want one of each, but I wear the fleece-lined one on Saturday morning when I wasn't feeling my run. But it was, I don't know, I think two with the wind chill or something like that. And I never thought about my head or my ears. And then the regular one without the fleece line, I've been wearing it all other times. And it's done the job. So it's, mm. um, yeah, they're nice hats. I'm trying to rub it in your face a little bit, Bracken. It's the downside of our role in this in this relationship, in this company, is that you handle the merch first. <laughs> I do, and it's just great. I will get some out to you. And usually you wear it to an episode and I have to stare at it the entire time. Maybe I'll wear my stocking cap for the next one. That'd be a first. Well, Kirk, it's noon here. Church bells are starting up. It's time to pull the plug. All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us for over an hour, guys. Appreciate you listening. See you this weekend.